Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We are ending our under, Growing Under Pressure series. I know you notice that it says growing under pressure. Growing under pressure. It didn't say growing under good times. It says growing during pressure times. Amen? So pressure, pressure, pressure kind of provokes growth in our lives if we handle it the right way. Growing under pressure. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. God gives us a platform for his glory. We can either make him look good or we make him look bad. I don't know about you. I want God to look good. Amen. See, we, how we handle pressure, we can make God's name famous because people are watching you. People are watching you every day. Your family, family members are watching. Your coworkers are watching how you handle pressure. You can make God's name famous. That's, that's what I'm about. I'm, I'm about making God's name famous. See, I want to live the life like Enoch. Do you, know, you know him? The Bible talks about how Enoch, God ple- was pleased with Enoch's heart. He was pleased with Enoch. I, want to, I don't want to wait until I die and God tells me that he's pleased with me. I want God to be pleased with me right now. Yes. I'm about that life right now. So it's what you do with the platform that God gives you. What are you doing with the platform that God's given you? Are you making his name famous? Are you making him look good? See, God, it's all about making God look good. Amen? Amen? So we're wrapping up our, our series this week. I thoroughly, um, uh, in my or I thoroughly loved that sermon last week from Pastor Steve. Wasn't that good? Yes. You know, as he was sharing his intro, he was just like, he says, well, we're going to talk about the temptation of Christ. I was like, wait, whoa, wait, wait, what do you mean? What is he saying? Why is he saying that? I'm <laughs> preaching about that next week. I couldn't believe it. was like, did he steal my notes? What's going on? He's a thief. See, preachers are thieves. I knew it. It was a setup. It was a setup. But it was amazing how God was speaking to both of us. Amen. So, so today I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about ways to effectively resist temptation. How to effectively resist temptation. So, I want to take a poll. So show of hands, how many have been tempted to sin? Come on, we in church. <laughs> At least you could be honest in church. I should see every hand should be put. All right, praise God. I'm in the right place. So how many, be honest, how many have given in to sin? Temptation, I meant. Temptation. Now, everybody here should be up because last week, 
I saw we had cake out in the foyer. That cake was sinful. It looked sinful in the house. I saw a bunch of you eating the cake. Something was in the cake. I saw people just giggling. Something was in that cake. People <laughs> just stuffing their mouths with cake. Something was in Everyone was all giddy, happy in the foyer, running up and down the foyer. Just happy. I said, oh my God, I got this whole growth church wrong, right? The way to go to church is to get cake, to have cake every service. People were loving the cake. I was like a Pharisee in the foyer, just judging everybody. Sinful, 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 sinful people. Just a bunch of sinful Christians. No, you're not supposed to have no cake. Have you ever resisted temptation and felt bad about it? That was me, because that cake looked really good. Right? Yeah, Miriam, just like... She didn't, even, she didn't even care that she was sinning last week. Cake all over her. I think Tyler said to me, he's like, yeah, I had cake and donuts. I was like, you're sinful, sinful. Bunch of sinful Christians. That cake looked really good, amen. So we're going to talk about how to effectively resist temptation. So let's revisit our text from last week, Luke, Luke 4. And we know that Jesus had just, was just baptized by his, his uh, cousin John. And then he was um, starting his public ministry. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell on him in the form of a dove. And then he was led into the wilderness. But then God had said that this is my son whom I am well pleased. Here go those words again. This is my son whom I am well pleased. Amen. So before Jesus actually started his ministry, God confirmed him. He says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And he said it later in the, in the Gospels as well when Jesus was on a mountain and he, he brought some of the disciples with him. God appeared and he says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So, God, so, so we, we don't need man to confirm us. So, I, so the Lord told me to share this with someone that you need to know this before we, con- before we continue that God is saying to you, You're, you are my son. You are my daughter who I'm am, who am well pleased. It don't matter how many mistakes that you've made in your life, God is pleased. You are my son. You are my daughter who I'm am, am well pleased. You don't need man to approve you. You don't need man to confirm you. God is pleased with you. Amen. To me, that warms my heart. That warms my heart when I hear that. But why was Jesus tempted? I mean, the, the, the spirit led him into the, into the wilderness to be tempted. But why was Jesus tempted? I mean, Jesus is God, right? I mean, God can't be tempted, nor can he, nor will he tempt man. So why, so, so why was, why was Jesus tempted? 
Was that, is that actually accurate that he was tempted? Well, yeah, it says it in our text that he was, he was tempted, but it, Jesus is not, was not tempted the way that we are. See, we are vulnerable to give, to give in to sin because of our sinful nature. Jesus does not have a sin, sinful nature, so he does not give in to temptation, but he understood the pressure of temptation, right? So the reason why Jesus would tempt it so that way we know that we have a God who understands what it's like to be tempted, right? So Jesus understood the pressure of temptation. Hebrews 4, 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Imagine if Jesus was never tempted. See, we can be victims a lot of the time. So we will go to God and be like, God, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand the things that I'm, I'm tempted with. God can say to us, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I know what it's like to be tempted. Amen. So we have, a, we have a God who understands what it's like to be tempted. See, Jesus took temptation like a man, as a man. He took temptation as a man. He could have done something about it on his way to the cross, right? He could have lashed out, but he didn't. He took it like a man. He could have got down off the cross. He could have snapped his finger and, and, and destroyed everyone that hated him. He could have lashed out that, the people that talked against him, that criticized them, but he took it as a man. So that way we could understand self-control. I'm going to let that one sit with you for a few seconds. So he took it as a man. He could have, so he faced the temptation as a man. So that way we could understand how to effectively resist temptation. Two things we must understand about temptation before we move on. Temptation is not a sign of spiritual weakness. It is a spiritual growth. It's a sign of spiritual growth. It is not. Jesus was only weak physically. He, when he was tempted by the, by the devil, he was not weak spiritually. He was weak physically. So he still had some fight in him. He understood the word. I want you right now to tell the devil that I am not weak. I still got fight in me. I, I am not weak. So as he's tempting you right now, I am not weak. Amen. Amen. I'm, I may be a little tired, but I'm not weak. Yes. Yes. I'm, I may be a little tired, but I'm not giving up. I got, I got a little fight in me. Do I have Christians that are willing to fight right now? Am, am, am I alone today? I'm like, I may be a little tired, but I'm, but I'm not weak. Amen. I may be gentle, but I'm not weak. I may be humble, but I'm not weak. I may be kind, but I'm not weak. Don't get it twisted. I got some fight in me. 
You can't just treat me any kind of way. I got some fight in me. Or I may be a little tired, but my eyes are open. I'm wise as a serpent, right? And gentle, but gentle like a dove. Yes. Oh, I know what's going on. I'm not spiritually weak. I got some fight in me. For those that's having a rough season right now, tell the devil I got some fight in me. I am not laying down without a fight. I'm not going down without a fight. Oh, you can't take my family. You can't take my marriage. Oh, yeah, we're going to battle right now. I'm ready to duke it out with you. Do we have some Christians that's willing to duke it out with the enemy right now? Amen. To be out of the church that will duke it out with you. We have some people that will support you. We'll get in the ring with you and teach you how to, how to throw some blows and hit the enemy and knock him out. So the first thing we need to know about temptation, temptation is not a sign of spiritual weakness. It's a sign of spiritual growth. If you're not being tempted, you're not growing. And the second, it can be resisted. Temptation can be resisted. It can. It can be resisted. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised them to be that love him. I love that. So let's turn to our text. Let's get to our text right now in Luke 4, starting in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness. Forty days being tempted by the devil. They ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it, was, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. Man should not live by bread alone. So let's talk about four aspects of temptation. And then I'm going to give you three ways to effectively resist temptation. So the first aspect of temptation is what does temptation look like? What does it look like? Well, it's when sin looks more enjoyable than God. See, temptation always come in in a beautiful package, right? It's like it looks so nice. It looks so beautiful. It's almost, it looks like uh, 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 the best offer, an offer that you cannot refuse, right? An offer you cannot be refuse. It, it, it may look like a, a, a too good to be true, too good to be true. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. <laughs> right? So temptation always comes in a beautiful package. Right? Lies about what make us happy. Money, power, pleasure. Right? It's usually an offer that you cannot refuse. But if it didn't cost you anything, it's not God. 
if it didn't cost you any pain, if it didn't cost you any faith, if it didn't cost you any obedience, if it didn't cost you any sacrifice, if it didn't cost you any patience, it's not God. It's not God. See, Jesus, when Jesus was tempted, see, when Jesus got baptized, he didn't start preaching. What happened to him? He went into the wilderness. His public ministry didn't start until after the wilderness. So if it didn't cost you anything, it's not God. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. We have to be aware how temptation looks like. It can be deceiving. Amen. The enemy will always present you something that looks really, really good. And sometimes you must discern, is this God? Or this, or this just enticing my flesh. Number two, where does temptation come from? Well, we know the devil, but it takes two to tangle. It takes two to cooperate, right? He needs a witness. He needs someone to cooperate with him, right? We must be aware of the enemy's scheme. Like, I love sports. I love it because I love how the, uh, the, the teams study film on, on their opponents. And they develop schemes to attack them, right? And so that's what the enemy does. Do you know that the enemy has film on you? He's watching film daily on you. And he's taking notes. He's watching all the patterns. He's watching how you react. He's watching how you live your life. He's watching how you treat people. He's watching how you make decisions. And he's developing a scheme to attack you. The enemy's got film on you. We need to reverse that. We need to have film on the enemy. We need to watch the enemy's patterns, right? We need to reverse this thing, right? Because God's given us the power Right? Right? To overcome these things. We, the enemy's already defeated, so why do we keep them alive? Oh, wow. why, why do we allow, allow the enemy continue to attack us with the same things? We need to kind of reverse some things. Right? We need to watch film on the enemy. Like, I know, like we need to watch, watch his pattern. Like, how has he attacked you before? Have you learned from that? Do you have victory over it? The thing that you have victory over, you own the keys to. You own the keys to it. Because Jesus went to hell and collect the keys to life, right? He's given us the keys to overcome something. So the sin that you, you overcame, or you, you have overcome in the past, you own the keys to. Like, I did this. You could show the enemy the keys. Like, no, I have victory over this. So you can't continue to taunt me with the same things. I got victory over this thing. Amen? I think I got a couple of people with me. I think the rest of you is kind of catching up a little bit, right? Yes. Right? I think some of you are catching up a little bit. See, the enemy is watching us. and He's developing a scheme to attack, attack us. But it won't work. It will not work if we don't collaborate with him. See, in James 1, 13 through 18, it says, Let no one say, when he is tempted, 
I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desires have, has conceived, this is big, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. See, it is not the bait that constitutes sin. It is the bite. So the enemy will come, but don't take the bait. Weapons will form, but it won't prosper if you don't take the bait. Don't bite the bait. The enemy is going to come. He's going to attack. He's going to develop schemes to attack you. But we must be aware and don't take the bait. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Weapons will form, but they will not prosper. They won't work. They won't work. Say it won't work. It won't work. The third one. When does temptation come? So we learned last week, as Pastor Steve was, was, was talking about how when Jesus uh, was tempted when he was hungry, right? So sometimes the, the, the enemy will prey on you when you're hungry, tired, lonely, or hurt. That's when he loves to prey on you. Amen? Satan will also tempt you when you're full of yourself or you feel less of yourself. See, if you're full of yourself, then God can't pour anything in you. That, that kind of hurt, right? Because when the Lord gave me that, I was like, oh, something. It's just that kind of hurt. So sometimes we can be so full of ourselves. So the enemy is like, yes, yes, so we're full of ourselves. We, we can say, you know, you're great. The enemy is like, yes, you are. You are great. You're so awesome. There's no one like you. You're, you're, you're so awesome. You're, you're awesome in this place. Everywhere you go, you're so awesome. You're great. There's no one like you. You're, you're, you're like God Almighty. You're like awesome. Amen? Yes, you are great. So when we are full of ourselves, God cannot pour into us, and the enemy will continue to encourage. The enemy becomes your hype man. Yes, yes, you are good. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Yes, but that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> but sometimes we're, we're at our lowest point. We feel less of ourselves. The enemy loves to keep us down. Right? He would actually encourage you to stay down. He would actually continue to whisper the lies, right? To reiterate the lies that you're telling yourself already. So at your lowest point of your life, the enemy will prey on you for that. See, the, the devil tempts us to be afraid and to be discouraged. If he can get your heart to question whether you are really loved, oh, that's like the worst thing. If the enemy can question your relationship with God first and your relationship with others, he has you. When he, when he gets you to question your relationship with God, see, the enemy's job is to steal, 
kill and destroy. He will steal your faith. He will steal your joy. He will kill your joy. He, will, he wants to destroy you because when you know that you are loved by God, he doesn't he don't want that. So he can get you to question that, right? Am I actually loved? Am I actually a son or daughter of God? Oh, yeah. He gets and he will pray on that. Number four, who gets tempted the most? I like this one. It's new believers and confident believers. See, new, new believers, it's new believers and confident believers get attacked the most. See, new believers are the most vulnerable, right? They're really excited. They don't know much right now, but they know that they, they have a new life and they're, they're really excited. So the enemy loves to come and attack them. That's why it's important that we, as strong believers, we surround new believers, right, with so much love and spend time with them. I don't know where I would be if it weren't for other men that, that came alongside of me when I first got saved. Yeah. And they discipled me. They mentored me, right? They, they, they held my hand through um, certain times of, of life because they knew that the enemy would come, right, and attack me, and I wouldn't know how to fight. So it takes mature Christians to come along with new believers and tell them how to, show them how to live. They become role models. They need to see you fight and win. They need to see you win some battles. They need to see you grow spiritually, amen, so that way they can get, get encouraged. Like you're just not raising your hands in vain. Like you're raising your hands because you feel, you feel a sense of victory. You're raising your hands because you've been through something in, in, in life. Yeah. You're raising your hand because you know that God is operating in your life. You, you're raising your hand because God is real. Because sometimes as new believers, although you are a new believer, but you're still questioning some things at this point. Is God really real? Did I make the right decision? Yes, you made the right decision. God is well. He's going to show up in your life tremendously. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Everything will not be okay all the time. Because you're, you have to get ready to battle. But when you win those victories, when you see God move in your life, oh, it's going to be so impactful. And see, when you understand how God moves, it can change your family. It can change people around you. So new believers are the, are the most vulnerable ones. And then there's nothing like a confident believer who possess the promises of God. The enemy is after you. He does not like that. When you possess the promises of God, he will tempt you the most. He will tempt you the most. Right? So it's nothing like a, 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 a new believer and a confident believer. See, confident believer knows that faith is not seasonal. Faith is a lifestyle. They don't compromise Right? They don't waver in their faith. They know that this thing is not seasonal. This is the lifestyle. I need to walk in this thing. I need to walk in the victory. It's something when you know your place 
in God. It's something when you're confident in God. You know that he's working in your life. If you're not being threatened by temptation, you're not a threat. If you're not being threatened by temptation, you're not a threat. All right, so three ways to effectively resist temptations. Then we're going to go. And we're going to worship. You ready? So the first thing we have to do, the first way to effectively resist temptation, look for a way out. When you are tempted, if you, when you are being tempted, look for a way out. When you are faith, faced with temptation, look for the way out, the way of escape that God has promised us. God has promised us a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says it here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You may be able to bear it. There's always a way out when you are being tempted. So the problem is, when we face temptation, are we looking for a way out? Or are we okay with our secret sin? Are we okay with what's going on in our lives? You have to ask yourself, when you are being tempted, if I actually give in to this temptation, am I glorifying God? Or am I fulfilling the flesh? Am I glorifying him? If I give in to this temptation, will it make God look good? Or will it just fulfill my flesh? I know this might be tough, but we must deal with temptation. Temptation is not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing. Being tempted is only bad when it creates sin in your life. So we must, the Bible says we must resist the devil and he will flee. One way to view temptation is to consider it a test. If we keep our eyes trained on Jesus, Amen. He will, he will uh, tell us how to pass this test, and we can avoid the tendency of sin. So when you are face-to-face -to -face with temptation, instead of giving up, stop and look at God for, for escape route. Look at God for the, an escape route. So the second one, Pastor Steve kind of mentioned this last week, resist temptation with truth. Jesus told the, the enemy the truth, what was written. If you don't know what's written, you will not be able to tell the enemy the truth. See, Hebrews 4 says that God's word is active, is living and active. We, it's living and active. Do you know that you carry a weapon that make your thoughts obey Christ? Like, we, can, we have a weapon. We can, like... The word of God can make your thoughts obey Christ. Yes. It can bring everything in order. 
right? It says it in, in, in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we destroy arguments, yeah. right? Those conflicting arguments, like um, those negative words that's being, that we're telling ourselves. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion, right? Raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we have the power, right? We have the power to make, to make our thoughts obey Christ. So any thought, any tempting thought that you know will go against the knowledge of Christ, we need to take it captive. We do that with the word of God. We do it with the word of God. Right? So we have the power. We walk around with that power daily. But we must use it. We must read it. We must, listen, listen, don't just read the Bible. Be the Bible. Live out the Bible. L live out God's instructions. Be faithful. Be, o be obedient. Follow his word. Man, it's quiet in here today. <laughs> Are we okay? Yeah. We good? Yeah, it's, it's in here? Okay, yeah, it's going to go here, then here, right? Right, then it's going to come out here, right? Yeah. So lastly, and this is very important. Lastly, refocus your heart and mind with worship and praise. How often are you tempted if you're worshiping and praising God? How often are you tempted to sin if you're worshiping and praising God? I would say never. If your focus is on him and not on you, you won't fall into temptation. The problem we have, we don't live a lifestyle of worship. See, this may sound strange. It may sound like I'm contradicting myself or, or speaking contrary, contrary to the word. But you don't focus on not sinning. You focus on God. Because when, because when you, your desires become his desires, you wouldn't want the same things that, that you once had. You wouldn't want the same thing. You wouldn't care about uh, com committing a sin. You wouldn't be tempted by the same thing. If you just focus, focus on him, you focus on him, you won't fall into the same thing. You won't be tempted. See, it's not a bad thing. You're not weak if you're being tempted with sin. Just don't take the bait.
We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.